you have a copy of the Word of God with you this evening, could you turn with me please to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews in the chapter 9, and we're going to read from verse 24 down to the end of the chapter together. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24, reading to the final verse, verse 28. Hebrews chapter 9, commencing at the 24th verse, the word of God, it reads, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place, every year with blood of others. For then, must he have, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men, once to die, but after this, the judgment... So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. If we can open our Bibles again to that passage that we read together in Hebrews in the chapter 9, and then with the word of God open before us, we'll just seek the Lord's face in a brief word of prayer. Our gracious God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee for all that has went forth in the service thus far. We thank thee for these great hymns that we have been able to sing. We thank thee for the reading of scripture and all that has taken place. But now we come to the preaching of the word, the central part of this worship service. We pray, Father, that tonight that thou wouldst fill me with thy Holy Spirit. O God, fill me with power from on high. And help me to present thy word clearly, truthfully, and indeed with power. We pray that thou wouldst apply the word to each and every heart. We pray that thy children, that those who are believers, would be edified, that they would be strengthened and encouraged in their faith. But if there are those who are outside of thee, those who have never realized their need of salvation, those who have never realized that they are sinners, we pray that thou would speak to them this very night and that they would not leave this building without calling upon thee to save them. Bless the preaching of the word, we pray, for it's in thy name we ask. Amen and amen. I want to take as my text this evening the words of Hebrews chapter 9, and the verse 27, those words they read, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You know, there are many things in life that are uncertain, and there are many things that cannot be predicted. Automatically, our minds may be drawn to such things as economic turmoil and political upheaval. 
We've seen much of that in our land in the last few years. And I suppose six or seven years ago, we wouldn't have predicted uh, that we would be in a recession at this point of time. There are also such things as natural disasters. We think of earthquakes and how that they can take place completely unexpected at a particular point in time. Volcanoes can erupt. Tsunamis can wipe out islands and, and places near the sea. Many events that take place in this world, they are completely unexpected. Such events, they remind us of the solemn words in Proverbs 27 and the verse 1, where it reads, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Life is full of uncertainty. It is very unpredictable. And indeed, we're warned against boasting of tomorrow in that verse. But tonight, however, there is something that I can tell you that is certain. And that is that death will come to us all. Second Samuel 14, verse 14. It says, for we must needs die. You know, there are some, they will live a long life. They will see an old age. But there are others who will not live such a long life. There are some who may become kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers, whilst there will be others in society who will not reach such lofty positions. They may take their place among the rank and file of, of the public. But there's one thing that's certain, whether they hold a lofty position or whether they're middle class or whether they're right at the bottom of the ladder, and that is that in due time, death will come. There is no escape from death. The Word of God, it has much to say on the subject of death. And one of the most well-known verses on this subject is the verse that we want to take as our text for this evening. So for a few moments tonight, I want to consider just a few thoughts on the subject of death from this text in Hebrews chapter 9. And firstly, we see the reality of death. And... Whenever we think of the reality of death, we have to say that it is necessary that we highlight it. You may think, well, preacher, it's unnecessary to state the reality of death. But when we consider how many people are going through this world, and we look at how they spend their time, we think of how they live their lives with no thought of tomorrow. When we see how they live as though they will live forever and forever and forever, we see that they have the attitude of, him, of that rich farmer we read off in the book of Luke, I think it's chapter 12, where it says that he said to himself, having built up his barns and having filled his storehouses with all the, the produce and all the, the earthly goods of the day, he said, so will thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. That farmer had it all made. He had all he could have ever wanted. And he thought that he had the rest of his life. He had no thought for eternity. He had no thought that his life could come to an end. Let me ask, is that how you're living tonight? Are you living a life of sin, a life of pleasure, indulging in the things of this world? You're indulging in the worldliness and the wickedness of the day? You shut the reality of death out of your mind. You don't want to know. It's a taboo subject. There are many in this world and they do not want to speak about death. They do not want to recognize that it is real and that the day will come when death will visit them. Many don't want to be reminded 
that they have a limited time on this earth, as shown in James chapter 4 in the verse 14. James chapter 4, verse 14, it really follows the theme from Proverbs 27. It says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Life is short. And it's my duty tonight to speak the truth and to tell you that the day will come when you will depart from this world, that you will be ushered into God's eternity. And it is necessary to highlight this truth in this sin-blinded world. We say, well, what is the proof of this reality? And well, we could consider the secular proof, because on a daily basis we see the obituaries published online or perhaps in the newspapers. We can go to the respective pages and we can look down and read the various obituaries and the various tributes that are given to those who have passed away. Or we can enter into a graveyard or a cemetery and we can see for ourselves the rows upon rows of gravestones that silently speak to us of the reality of death. They show us that death is not a figment of the imagination. It's not something that we imagine in our heads, but that it is real and that it visits every one of us. But much more importantly, we consider the scriptural proof for death because the word of God, as we said, has much to say about this matter. It tells us of the cause of death. And we see that back in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2 and the verses 16 to 17. Genesis 2, verse 16 to 17. Genesis 2, 16, it reads, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Adam was given a prohibition. He was told that he was not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he was told that if he did eat of it, he would die. Sadly, as I'm sure we know, Adam ate of that tree. And thus, as a result of his sinning against God, as a result of his disobedience of the command of the Lord, sin and death entered into the world. Romans chapter 5 and the verse 12 Romans chapter 5 and the verse 12, it tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Adam sinned. He disobeyed God, he sinned. And thus he brought death uh, not only upon himself, not only just to himself personally, but he brought death upon all of his descendants or his posterity. All men who are descended from Adam, they are sinners. They are born sinners. They were shaped in iniquity and they were conceived in sin. They are born unrighteous. All men are born sinners and thus they will die. The cause of death is sin. The Bible tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. The scriptures give us a good description of death. It gives us a threefold description and it tells us that there's physical death because the, before the first sin, there was no death. 
Death did not exist. But now, following that sin, man would die. There would be that separation of body and soul. If Adam had not sinned, he would have lived forever. But now that he had sinned, there was that corruption of his body, and he began to die. Genesis 3 verse 19 tells us, For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Following sin, physical death had entered the world and there would be that day when an individual's life would cease to exist physically on this earth and their body would return to dust. But then there was also spiritual death and that refers to separation from God because following the fall, Adam had lost his communion with God. He was now dead in his trespasses and sins and he could not reverse or change what he had done. He could not Go return back into communion with God through his own actions, through his own will. But then there also was eternal death. Eternal death is the separation of the body and the soul eternally from the presence of the Lord. Oh, it's a very somber thought. And tonight, I say to you, take note of the reality of death. You may not want to think about it. You may not want to consider it in your mind. You may want to just shut it out. But there will be a day when each one of us will die. There will be a day when each one of us, we will pass into God's eternity. Genesis chapter 5, it contains a record of a number of individuals. And there's a notable phrase used for these men with the exception of one. That one man being Enoch. That phrase, it is, and he died. When you read down that chapter, we're not going to read the verses, but you read of Adam, you read of Seth, you read of Enos, and many other different individuals. But the one thing they all have in common, bar Enoch, is that it says, it gives their years they lived, then it says, and he died. Someday that phrase will apply to you. Someday it will be said of you, and he or she died. But let me ask, will you die in your sins? Or will you turn to Christ while you may? There we see the reality of death. We see that death is real. It is not a figment of the imagination. But then, secondly, note with me the singularity of death. Because our text it tells us that it says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die. When a man dies physically, he dies only once. And that is a general rule, but there are some biblical exceptions to it. Because in Scripture, we do read of some individuals who died twice. We think of those men who were raised from the dead, such as Lazarus. We know how Lazarus had died. He'd been in the grave a number of days, and how the Lord Jesus Christ came, and he told him to roll the stone away, and he told him, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus rose from the dead. But Lazarus is not living today. He's not living in this world today. And at a later point in time, Lazarus died again. He died twice. And such people in that bracket, they are exceptions to the rule. But then there's another group, and they are those who never died at all. And in that group, we have men such as Enoch, who we have just mentioned. And we also have Elijah, the prophet who was taken up by the Lord into heaven in a flaming chariot. He didn't die. But bar those exceptions, excluding those individuals, however we can say on the authority of Scripture that every man dies once. 
He does not die twice. He does not die three times. He does not die four or five times. Rather, he only dies once. There is an appointed time for a man to die. And once he has died, his time on this earth, it is over. He can no longer work. He can no longer spend the money that he has earned. He can no longer enjoy the pleasures of the world. Oh, the Bible tells us the pleasures of the world, they only last for a season. Once death comes, a man can no longer enjoy them. He can no longer come and sit in the house of God and listen to the preaching of the gospel. When a man dies, he can no longer repent of his sin and turn to Christ for salvation. His plans for life, they will remain unfulfilled. When death comes, it is the end of our life. The chapter is finished. The book is closed. It's like there's a full stop placed at the end of the sentence of our life. That final full stop is noted. And I tell you, the riches of this world, they cannot do anything for us after death. I think there, I remember reading as a young boy of a famous man uh, who lived maybe, I think, if memory's right, maybe about 100 years ago. And how that his desire was that his body would be frozen because he believed that someday that they'd be able to somehow bring his body back to life. I tell you, that man will not be brought back to life. Once he passed from this world, that was it. That was the end, and the riches of the world cannot help those who have passed into death. The riches of the world, they are left behind after death. It reminds us of Mark 8, verse 36, where it says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Oh, we may have plenty of riches, but when the day comes when you pass from this world, if you're outside of Christ, those riches, they'll be left behind. We came into this world with nothing, and we will leave it with nothing. You know, it highlights for us the importance of coming to Christ now, because there is a great urgency in heeding the gospel call. Why? Because after death, it is too late. There's no second chance. There's someone they have taught over the years that after death, uh, that there is an opportunity given for repentance and that there's this theory and that theory and the other. But they're not founded in Scripture. After death, that is it. There is no second chance. Once you pass from this world, you will not get another opportunity to repent of your sin. You will not get another opportunity to turn to Christ for salvation. The deadline will be passed. You cannot repent after death. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and the verse 2, the apostle Paul, he says at the end of that verse, he says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to get right with the Lord. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, not when maybe you're in your old age or you're coming near the end of your life. It is today. There's danger and death in delay. There are many, and they have said that they will turn to Christ someday. They have said that they'll turn to Christ someday whenever they have enjoyed their life, whenever they have, have, have enjoyed the pleasures of the world. I can think of numerous young people who I have known as I've grown up, 
And many of them, they thought that whilst they knew the word of God, they knew the gospel well, they thought that they could go into the world and their view was that they could just enjoy the pleasures of the world and that someday in the future, they'll just get right with the Lord. It's a very, very dangerous mistake to make. Many have sought to dither and to delay when it comes to salvation. And they have lived and they have died rejecting Christ. It's a terrible mistake to make, for death is ruthless. You know, it's, it's important that we come to Christ now because the manner of death, it may be unexpected. There are those who pass from this world and their death has been expected, perhaps due to illness or other circumstances. But I must make clear that that is not always the case. Many a person, both young and old, has been ushered out into God's eternity unexpectedly. Many a person has lost their lives unexpectedly in the most tragic of circumstances. David in 1 Samuel chapter 20, and the verse 3, he said, There is but a step between me and death. You know, those words could really apply to all of us tonight. David's life was under threat from King Saul. King Saul was threatening his life. King Saul was seeking to have him killed. And it was only because the Lord was protecting him that his life was preserved. The Lord's hand was on him, but yet he recognized the peril that his life was in. Despite being a young man, he recognized that death could quickly overtake him. You know as well, the moment of death may be unexpected. Because we do not know the timing of our passing. Such information is not granted to such mortals as we. Only the Lord knows such matters. Only he knows the day and the hour and the very second of our appointed death. We cannot be sure of how long we will live. In light of such uncertainty, when it comes to the timing of our death, is it not imperative? Is it not essential that you are right with the do you not see that it is essential to call upon him now to save you from your sin? As you said, some will say, I'll wait till my deathbed. But you may not get such an opportunity. If my memory is correct, I think the scriptures only record one deathbed conversion. It was the, the, the thief there who was on the cross beside the Lord Jesus Christ. In the whole of scripture, I don't believe there's another deathbed conversion. Oh, don't put off salvation. It's not a risk that's worth taking. And I tell you this evening that youth is no guarantee of long life. Old age is not guaranteed for any of us. There was a preacher over in Scotland in the 1800s, and he was called Robert Murray McShane. He was the author of the great hymn, Jehovah Said Can You? And he ministered in the church there in the city of Dundee in St. Peter's, and in the time that he ministered there, there was a great revival. And it was said that when the people came to hear him preach, uh, that the building was crowded and the people would have went and they would have put their ears up against the walls of the church in order to hear something. Oh, that we'd see such scenes today here in Ulster. Uh, but this man was greatly used of the Lord. And I think he ministered in Dundee for around six years. But the Lord took him home at the age of 29. He died as a young man. We could say, well, he was a servant of the Lord. Surely the Lord would have blessed him with a long life of service. 
And there have been those who have said that Robert Murray McShane did more in his six years than many have done in a full, a full ministry. He was a man who really was mightily used. But yet the point that I want to make is he died at only 29 years of age. He was a young man, but he was ready. He was right with the Lord. He was saved. He he knew the salvation of the Lord. Let me ask, do you know the salvation of the Lord? Are you ready? Are you ready should the Lord call you into his eternity this very night? Tonight you've been presented with the gospel. You've been told of your sinful state. You've been told of your need of salvation. You've been told that you must call upon Christ to save you. Will you not call? Will you not come to Christ now? Because once our appointed time to die comes, there is no opportunity to repent. That brings me to my final point tonight, and it is the solemnity of death. Because our text, it tells us at the end, it says... But after this, the judgment that shows us that death is not the end. You look at those words, but after this. And it shows us that there is something that occurs after death. Saying, but after this, after death, there are those and they claim that after death that the soul is annihilated. And that is it. There are others they claim that when, the soul, when, when a man dies that the soul enters into soul sleep. Neither of these are supported by Scripture. This very text, it denies them. The text tells us very clearly that death is not the end. Death is not the end of the line for the individual, but rather following death there is an examination. The individual will face judgment. They will stand at the judgment bar and they will give account for themselves. They will have their deeds examined whether they be good or whether they be evil. He will be weighed in the balances. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. It tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the verse 10, it tells us, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. There is a judgment. There is a great examination following our departure from this world. And then there is a sentence that is proclaimed. When the evidence is examined, that sentence, like in in a court of law here, once the evidence is examined and it's been considered, the sentence will be issued. That sentence, it will be heaven or it will be hell. It will be joy or judgment, bliss or banishment, happiness or horrors beyond imagination. Tonight I tell you that if you have been saved by the grace of God, you have nothing to fear. If you have repented of your sin, if you have followed Christ, if you have trusted in him after death, you will go to be with him in the glories of heaven. You will go to that place of splendor, that place of perfection, that place where there are no tears, there's no weeping, there's no sorrow, there's no darkness, there's no sadness. It's great comfort to the believer to know that when his time comes to leave this world, that he's going to be in glory with the Lord. He's going to the heavenly city. And I believe it was John Wesley who was able to say that his people died well. Why was that? It was because their faith was in Christ. They had assurance of salvation. Then on the other hand, I have to be honest. I have to be truthful. 
I have to tell you that tonight, if you are outside of Christ, you have no share in such wondrous comfort. If a man dies without receiving the salvation that has been procured by Christ on the cross at Calvary, if he dies as a Christ rejecter, saying no to the gospel, he is lost and he will spend eternity in hell. It's a sobering and it's a solemn thought. It's a thought that is most grieving when we think of the many millions who are tramping, trampling, tramping down that road to a lost eternity tonight. There are many here in Duff. There are many in Belfast. There are millions on this island and across the British Isles. There are billions across the world. They're tramping down that road to a lost eternity. Oh, what a sobering and a solemn thought it is. But what about you tonight? You've been sitting under the sound of the gospel. Many of those people have not heard the message of the gospel they have not had the privilege that you have had. Maybe you've sat in this church for many, many years. You've been part of a congregation here in Duff. You've heard uh, different people over the years preaching the gospel and urging you to turn to Christ, to repent of your sin. And yet you just keep sitting there. You let the message go in one ear and go out the other ear. And you have never turned to Christ. You know, you cannot say on that day of judgment, that day when there is that great examination that you did not know that you needed to be saved. You've been told it tonight and you've been told it many times, I'm sure, in the past. But yet despite hearing the truth of God, despite hearing his message of mercy, you continue walking down that road to hell. Will you not turn from your sin? Will you not forsake it? Will you not turn to Christ? He is the only one who can save you. He is the only one who will save you. But I tell you tonight, you must call. You must call upon him to save you. As we close, let me ask a question. Let me ask, are you ready to die? Robert Murray McShane, who he mentioned, he died at the age of 29, unexpectedly. But he was ready. He was right with the Lord. Tonight was to be your last night on earth. Can you honestly say, I am not fearful, for I have been saved by the blood of Christ, and I know that I am bound for the heavenly kingdom? Or do you know that you're not ready to die? You know that if you died tonight, that you would be plunged straight into the horrors and the torments of an eternity spent in hell. You know that you would be lifting up your eyes like the rich man in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus when he lifted up his eyes being in torments. He said he was tormented in the flame. Would that be you tonight? If that is you tonight, I implore you to call upon the Savior. Call upon him while he is waiting. Call upon him while he is near. And Then when it comes to death, you need not fear. You need not be worried about it, for it will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. When it comes to that great examination, oh, the old devil, he may accuse you of all sorts of different sins, but you will be exonerated. Why? Because Christ has shed his precious, incorruptible blood for you. He has died for you. He will have washed away your sins. 
He has given his life for you and he has accepted you as one of his own. But you must call. You must call upon him to save you. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this evening for his name's sake.